I was discussing with my sage webmaster for a half hour whether frogs could be more beautiful than sunsets or not. And the dialogue proceeded to the point where we made a very good distinction and both were educated in each other's perceptions about beauty. That's a Socratic dialogue. That works nicely. If you want to talk about one thing for a long time and finally get somewhere. But before we go anywhere else, I want to thank you for uh, the car. It's just the second time I stole a car, this time with permission. <laughs> Once I had to steal my own car without permission when the police confiscated it illegally, but I couldn't prove it was illegal. So I had to <laughs> steal it back from... <laughs> Seriously. I don't know. Steal the right word for that? Mm, not quite. It's got to the point in the church where we're using the same terminology and we mean different things. And it's kind of this confusing state, I think, for language nowadays. Let me give you a key example of that. This is an example dear to my heart because I pray daily for the reunion of the churches. It can happen. It was there for a thousand years. Nobody, I think, in the world, except maybe a few prophets like Flannery O'Connor, ever thought that what has happened in the last decade or so could possibly happen. I'm thinking of the decree on justification by the Vatican and the Lutheran bishops and a lot of other bodies that most people are still not aware of, Protestant or Catholic, but it's been officially announced with high-level approval that the most important and divisive issue uh, that have divided Christians in all of history is fundamentally resolved. There's still a thousand other issues, but any good evangelical Protestant asked, why aren't you a Roman Catholic? will probably not say something like purgatory or Mary or the authority of the Pope. They'll say Catholics don't know how to get to heaven. They've got a different gospel that justified Luther in leaving the church. And practically speaking, they're often right. But theoretically speaking, they're not. But nobody understood that for a long time. First of all, Protestants and Catholics condemned each other's bodies to battlefield graves and souls to hell. And then they stopped doing that, but they still argued around conference tables and that got nowhere. And somehow or other, it got to the point where we both went backwards instead of forwards. Instead of doing what the Council of Trent did, namely defining things more clearly and trying to solve the problem that way, and Luther did the same thing, and so did Calvin, and that somehow didn't work. The clearer the definitions, the more the distinctions, the less we came together, which is very strange. So both sides said, well, let's go back to our sources. Maybe one of the most important things Vatican II did was to, to emphasize that going back to the sources, especially to scripture, because that's our common source, that's the root before the branches part. And when we did that, uh, apparently we discovered that we had been using words in different ways. And the issue is fundamentally so simple, mysterious and profound, but simple, that all the further complexities about grace and free will and, and all this other stuff got in the way of seeing the simple point. And the simple point, as the decree, which has gone through three stages now, I think, uh, has announced, and also the uh, ECT statement, Evangelicals and Catholics Together, the first one was on justification. Uh, basic point is, in the early 16th century, Luther collided with the church, was condemned as a heretic. The Council of Trent ratified that condemnation. Catholic Church can never go back on an official church council. So it looked like the split was in principle irresolvable except by compromise. And you can't compromise truth, even for charity. So it looked like this is set in stone forever and ever. Yet we perceived that 
the issue, which is the most important issue in the world, what must I do to be saved, was being expressed in different language systems. And I think both sides realized that both different language systems began in Scripture and with the same man, Paul. In Romans and Galatians, he uses Luther's language system. In Corinthians, he uses the Catholic Church's language system, and so does James. Now, we're all familiar with some sort of reconciliation of Paul and James on the role of works in salvation. Faith without works is dead, yet we're saved by, by faith alone. The usual way of looking at that in a kind of a heavy wooden literal word mongering mindset was to ask whether you get to heaven with a one-part ticket or a two-part ticket. Both Catholics and Protestants agreed that you need faith in Christ. But apparently, Protestants said that's all you need, not good works. And Catholics said, no, you need good works too. So the classical argument was Protestants accused Catholics of trying to buy their way into heaven with brownie points. And Catholics accused Protestants of saying, I got the ticket, I can do whatever I want, it doesn't matter. Both of which are misunderstandings. And C.S. Lewis pointed that out very clearly in Mere Christianity without trying to solve the problem much further. But when they went back to their sources, they noticed that the Council of Trent, which condemned Luther, was using the language system of 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul says, you need faith and hope and charity, and the greatest of these is charity. Faith is absolutely necessary, but that's just the root. And hope is the stem, and charity is the fruit or the flower, the point of it all. And charity in scripture is not a feeling, it's a deed, it's a life, it's a work. Love is the works of love, not the external works of love, but the whole giving of the person, which is a work. And James very clearly says, we are not justified by faith alone, but by faith and works. Paul does not say, by the way, that we're justified by faith alone. He says we're justified by faith without the works of the law. But he doesn't use the word alone. James does use the word alone and seems to contradict Paul, so much so that Luther, for much of his life, believed that James didn't belong in the Bible. He called it an epistle of straw. I think he changed his mind later on, didn't he? Okay. Neither side solved the problem for 400 years until we saw the simple point, both sides, in dialogue, genuine dialogue, saw the simple point that you can use words in a broader or a narrower sense. And the Council of Trent was using the word salvation in a broad sense, and Luther was using it in a narrow sense. In fact, Catholic theology usually uses the word salvation, the word justification, and the word sanctification almost interchangeably. Whereas Protestants always distinguish justification and sanctification rather clearly and sharply following Luther. That's just a choice on how broad you want the word to mean. That's not a choice of what's true. That's a choice of your language system. All right, so Luther says, we're saved by faith alone without the works of the law. Okay. What does that mean? It means that the good thief got to heaven, even though he had no time for any good works at all. All he had time for was an act of faith. And Christ guaranteed him, you, today you shall be with me in paradise. So at least one man got to heaven without any good works. Okay, so what? Well, getting to heaven, that's justification, or rather the result of justification, being put right with God. Christ does that. Once you're right with God, God accepts you. You don't have to take a stand on the rest of the details of how that happens. In mere Christianity, you might remember, Lewis goes very light on the theories of the atonement. 
and among Protestants and even somewhat among Catholics, there's serious differences on how the atonement works. Luther's theory is the federal theory. God, like a judge or a lawyer, declares you just even though you aren't. He covers you with Christ's righteousness. I don't believe most Protestants buy into that completely. Certainly Baptists don't and uh, Anglicans don't. They believe in a, a, a regeneration or a new birth that, that ontologically changes the person. God declares you just because he first makes you just. But that's a tricky argument. We don't have to get into that, into the relation between being and knowledge in God. That's high philosophical abstractions about nominalism and realism. But what we do have to know is how we're using words. All right, Luther's using the word salvation to mean justification, that is, getting to heaven. That is what Catholic theology calls dying in a state of grace. All right, in order to get to heaven, how many good works do you need? None. Faith is what gets you to heaven. Well, yeah, that's Lutheranism, isn't it? Trent says that too. Really? Hmm. Well, what about sanctification? Once again, we get distracted into a secondary question. How is sanctification connected with justification if you distinguish them? If justification means simply being in a state of grace so that if you die, you'll go to heaven, and sanctification means becoming what God demands that you become eventually, namely a perfected saint, someone who can endure and enjoy heaven, whether that's through purgatory or instant, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you distinguish those two terms, you, which Luther does, you have to ask a second question, how are they related? How does sanctification flow from justification? Does God make it happen? Do you choose it to happen? Does it flow because of the motive of gratitude? That was Luther's basic answer. Or is there a deeper ontological necessity, which was the Catholic theory? That hasn't been solved. People still disagree about that, as they disagree about how the atonement works. But when you get down to the simple question of how you're using the word, we, we discovered that if you mean by sanctification what Luther means and distinguish it from justification, well, then justification alone is sufficient for salvation. But if you mean by sanctification the completion of the whole process and call that process salvation, then just as essential and necessary a stage or step or dimension of that process is contributed by the works of love as is contributed by faith. Just as a root without the fruit or flower is not the plant any more than the flower without the root is the plant. You need both. If you're using the term salvation in the broad sense, you need both faith and works to be saved, which Paul says in Corinthians and James reiterates. On the other hand, if you're using faith in, well, if you're using salvation in the, in the narrow sense, it's just faith you need. That's Paul in Romans and Galatians. Now, there's another word which was involved equally in the controversy, which has a broad and a narrow sense, and that's the word faith. In Corinthians, Paul is using the word faith in a narrow sense, intellectual faith. And so is James, especially when he says, do you believe that there is one God? Oh, good for you. The demons believe that too and tremble with fear. Great humor there. You can, you can almost hear the Jewish humor. Oh, good for you. <laughs> Lower East Side accent. Uh, so intellectual faith is not enough for salvation. The devil has it and is not saved. On the other hand, Paul 
clearly seems to say that faith is sufficient for salvation because faith, when he's talking about it in Romans and Galatians, is not just intellectual belief. It's the, the opening of the soul to God. It's the basic yes to Christ's offer. It's, it's Juliet saying yes to Romeo's marriage proposal. Ah, so if like Luther, you use faith in the broad sense and salvation in the narrow sense, justification, he's perfectly right in saying that faith alone is enough for salvation. If on the other hand, you use faith in the narrow sense, intellectual faith, and salvation in the broad sense, including sanctification, then faith alone is not enough for salvation. Both sides are right. And both sides understand that the other side is right without any compromise. It happened. The biggest issue that ever divided Christians has been solved. News, incredible news. Now, we didn't do it just by being careful about language. That was done by theologians for hundreds of years. That was part of it. But we also did it by a lot of other things, one of which was being careful about language, another of which was wanting it very deeply and wanting it for the right reason because Christ wants it. And another part of it, I think, was the psychology of listening, listening a long, long time. Nobody but a fool, an egotist, or a hypocrite can talk about listening in any other way than a, a positive way. So when we started to practice what we preached, we, at least on the most fundamental level, solved the most fundamental of ecumenical problems. Wow. If we can do it on that one, we may be able to do it on anything else. I don't see how. I myself have no idea how it's possible to mediate sola scriptura. All the things Catholics believe and Protestants don't believe seem to come down to that. If you can't clearly find it in the Bible, it shouldn't be a requirement of belief. And Protestants can't find the Pope and devotion to saints and purgatory and all this other stuff in the Bible. And Catholics say, but it doesn't have to be found in the Bible clearly. The Bible is only the most important foundation and part of sacred tradition, the teaching of Christ through the apostles. It's also a living tradition. The church has always taught it. And Christ authorized his church to teach in his name, therefore infallibly. Well, I have no idea how that's going to be mediated. The people who did ECT are working on one now, on Sola Scriptura. But we had no idea how justification was going to be mediated 20 years ago either, but it did. So what does this have to do with your point about language? Well, not only is it important in itself, but how absolutely crucial language is. It cannot be ignored, and it must be not only clearly conceptually understood, but dealt with in a holistic human way. We must not use words as weapons. We must use words as honest, open signs to try to understand each other and God. And we did that. And God responded. It worked. <laughs>